Welcome everyone, uh, this is Carlos from SeedCamp, and I'm really, really excited to have with me a very special guest, uh, Sonny Wu, founder of Misfit Wearables. Um, many of you probably have uh, devices, uh, and today uh, we want to talk specifically about uh, wearable devices that show any kind of um, any kind of movement or any kind of sleep patterns or food and really Misfit is one of the companies that stands out in terms of uh, thought leadership there and it's a privilege to be able to sit down with with Sonny to talk about um, his his beginnings and then the company's development. Well it's um, an honor to be here. Thank you. Thanks thank for you. Me. Um, you studied math and linguistics. How in the world did you end up in, in sort of health and wearables and stuff? Um, Honestly, it was uh, hop. It was uh, really evolving. It's been an evolution over the last fifteen years or so. Yeah. Um, my longtime partner Sridhar and I were both inventors, and we like to come up with stuff. Um, and so we've always been startup guys. Uh, we started life doing. Um, our, our first company was in natural language processing, which kind of you know that's what you do if you do math and languages. Um, largely unsuccessful, uh, and then uh, unfortunately for whatever providential reasons investors believed in us and gave us a second chance we did a second company Argumatrix, which was largely successful doing uh, blood glucose meters and strips again quite far from what we did um, uh, in, my, in our first company but that was also it was a topic of Sridhar's PhD so we were able to invent a few things for that space uh, built a great business over the course of 10 years and then now we're doing Misfit blood glucose meters so that was real serious tech and, and in some ways yeah. uh, it's one of those worrisome uh, decisions that sometimes founders have to make it's like do I make something that's really uh, life-changing for a specific group of people but go through a lot of the mechanics of getting approvals from FDA or from health organizations or do I go down the path of something that can still health change health but perhaps isn't so um, so laden with a lot of regulation is that part of the story of how you moved into Misfit? Um, uh, honestly, if, I w if <coughs> either Sridhar and I would have known how much work it would have been, the least of which was hardware and regulatory work, but reimbursement, insurance, medical marketing, how to talk to doctors, how to win over uh, a patient community. If we would have known how hard it was, I'm not sure we would have done our second company. We probably would have tried something else that was a little easier. Uh, but I'm so glad we did it, and we over the course of ten years, we we learned a lot. You know, um, we learned about things like reimbursement and uh, and clinical studies and how to do that kind of thing. You know, that's those aren't things that you like. I say, those aren't the kind of things you learn in immigrant school, but uh, you learn in life and running businesses like that. Um, and that's really what's and it's prepared us to do Misfit. You know, um, in terms of the experience around manufacturing and hardware and marketing. Yeah, no, I can imagine. Like it, it, it's definitely a battle, like a, a, a very good training ground for that battle. Um, total side note here, but you studied under Noam Chomsky. I did. Uh -huh. That's amazing. So, uh, what was that like? What was that? I mean, he's such a thought leader. He's cool, man. Uh, he's 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 very opinionated. Very, um, he's more well read than just about anyone I've ever met. Um, and so debates with him were usually were uh, ended. Uh, you know. Uh, we're not pretty, uh, but you learn a lot, and um, uh, and he was just very generous with his time. You know, just really made time for his students. Uh, it wasn't like you only got to meet with him once a, a uh, once a year or something like that. Uh, and just an extraordinary thinker, 
who always was reinventing was reinventing his ideas and challenging his own ideas. You know, I'm going to skip past Misfit for a second because um, you were just meeting with the seed camp companies and you were sharing some things which resemble what you just described Gnome was like. Mm. You know, you, you were talking about don't hire under desperation, uh, look for wisdom, not just experience, listen to introverts and uh, make work have a sense of purpose. And all these things are very much philosophical uh, uh, sort of anchor points for building a company. Maybe how much did that background and that time with Gnome change the way that you look at building a company culture? And, and Well, I mean, I just think about the times that we went through, you know, your grad school, first as immigrants not that I mean I came over when I was like six years old so it was all most of my parents working hard but uh, through that experience through my uh, graduate school times and the first couple startups I think we've just learned I just these are just things that I kind of wish someone would have told me yeah you know and that I didn't have to learn the hard way so it wasn't like Noam sat me down and taught me all these things it was through me watching how what what and how things and what and how my father did things. Yeah, yeah. By the way, t complete random question, Sonny. Is there any way that you think we can turn off that for yeah. the uh, for the listeners? They might be wondering what that background noise is. But we have the nice sunny heat of California yeah. warming up the room. Hopefully, that reduces the ambient noise. So, yeah, apologies for those who uh, were listening to that. Quick question, though. If we go back to the topic of company culture. Um, you had the ability to choose uh, a lot of people from the first two companies. How many of those failed companies uh, did you take the employees from for the new company? Because sometimes founders have to get it right on the third or fourth try. Right. And how many of those people Let's you keep? Let's see here. There are about, probably about four or five people uh, mm -hmm. that were that that came over. You know, um, I mean, we we recruited our own teams out here in San Francisco and in Asia. But about four or five key people have come over, our head of design, our head of hardware, key people. Uh, people who, who I've worked with for 10 years and would love to work with for many more tens of years, mm. many more decades, I guess. Um, and I guess you've, if you're fortunate, like we've been, I've been fortunate enough to run into people like that and I hope to be working with them for a very long time. And I think over time you meet a few more, you know, if you can meet a person like that every five years or so, then I think you're doing pretty well. Yeah. And how do you manage to, I mean, I've heard all sorts of stories about how cutthroat hiring is here in, in the Valley and, and retaining good staff. Um, mm. And in the early days of, of, of Misfit, I mean, it must have been, uh, obviously there's the relation a bit, but how, mm. what's your secret to, to retention? Uh, by not hiring in Silicon Valley. Okay. All right. So, uh, so we, we hire largely in Asia. Uh, in China, in Vietnam, that's where I'm from, and um, and so you don't actually need to hire that many people. You know, we're only 40 people here in San Francisco, and uh, overseas though we're 110, and so we don't do any software engineering here. All of that's done in in China actually, um, and there's amazing talent there. You know, there's talent. This, you know, the world is for the world. the The talent world is getting flatter and flatter and flatter. You know, not all software engineers live in San Francisco. Not all great designers live in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. In fact, most don't. Um, and so, to the extent that you can handle a multi-location site, a multi-location operation, um, and it's, I, I highly encourage it. It's, uh, I mean, yeah, if everybody can be in one place, it's ideal, but sometimes you just can't afford it or 
sometimes you just need more diversity of thought. So let's, let's, what's the secret to managing successfully a multi-location site? I mean, do you basically um, not sleep or? Well, uh, no, I think, I think it's, you can have a very, a somewhat sane schedule. I think it's possible. Um, I think you gotta have people who are willing to put up with that and people and I think a lot of it comes from a hunger and a desire to learn from each other people who genuinely really want to learn uh, from each other and um, and leverage these mutual strengths of different offices uh, tend to be kind of okay with, with with these challenges you know and the hardships become uh, delights you know when the team members can can visit each other and and live in each other's countries for a few weeks at a time just to train and whatnot. Hmm. And what, what's the split? I mean, in terms of your staff, is it like 30% here, yeah. 70 over there? Yeah, about uh, almost a third is here. A little less than a third, about a quarter here in San Francisco yeah. and everything else is overseas. And I want to emphasize that a lot of people think, you know, we just do manufacturing overseas. Not true. We actually um, do R&D over there. Okay. Algorithms, development, science. A lot of our patents are yeah. invented by our uh, our team members in Vietnam and China. Mm. So we're very proud of that. Um, one thing you touched upon when you were chatting with, with the Seedcam companies was around uh, your manufacturing operations not being where everyone thinks they are. I won't spoil the surprise, but w what is the, the story behind that and your choice? Yeah, so we, um, you know, uh, I think everybody goes to China because it's cheap. I mean, I don't blame people. Uh, we tried to go there. Um, but, you know, to start with, our volumes were not large. And so a lot of these outfits just didn't take us on, or mm -hmm. at least not take us on with great terms. And over time, we've were with through serendipity, providence, whatever you call it, uh, we ended up finding great partners in Korea, and it just was fantastic because um, we we felt quite secure with the level of intellectual property protection, which was I would say kind of important to us. It wasn't like the top thing, but it was quite important. Second was just craftsmanship, just a real culture of craftsmanship, at least with the partner that we found. Maybe mm. not all Korean companies are like this, and I'm sure there are Chinese companies that have amazing craftsmanship. Mm. But what we found in Korea was amazing. Pride in their work. Um, and third was the labor rates were actually not that different, you know, because we have a lot of automation and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, with the rising, with the rapidly rising cost of labor in China, it's Honestly, the advantages are not that amazing. Hmm. And so, you know, when you look at the the creation of this product, um, there's a couple of sort of wild cards here that are, that are amazing, and, and perhaps not everybody knows. One of them is the involvement of John Scully. Hmm. Um, maybe you can just share with with the audience kind of that how that relationship originally came about, and then kind of how he's helped the company. Sure. So, um, let's see here. So I, I ran into so a friend of mine knows John Scully and it had a dinner that he was hosting and invited me to come and I said for sure so I flew down to Florida had dinner had got to sit next to John Scully for an evening and we just really hit it off you know um, my original intention was just to ask him a bunch of Steve Jobs questions which I did <laughs> and surprisingly he was not annoyed at me and he actually was just humor me and really um, just was incredibly gracious and so despite my being so annoying, he, um, you know, we actually became really good friends. And that's where it started. And that's where I think a lot of business, the best business that we've, I've ever done, starts is with friendship. And um, 
we just became, yeah. And then over time, I just, at one point I said, hey, do you want to start a company? And he said, sure. He didn't ask like, what do you want to do or whatnot. He just like, he already understood that, you know, it's about who you work with and working with people you like and what you end up doing, you'll figure out later. Um, and that's what happened. And so I called up Sridhar immediately. I said, oh man, check this out. John Scully, he, he's... He's your co-founder. He, he's going to co-found a company with, with us. us. And Sridhar's like, cool, what are we going to do? And I'm like, I don't know yet, but we're going to do something cool. <laughs> and then that was the start of Misfit. And so we had to come up with a name. And that day happened to be the day that was October 5th, 2011, uh, which was the day Steve Jobs died. Mm-hmm. And I know, it's kind of a weird thing um and we're sitting at the rosewood which is a hotel in um in silicon valley uh, i guess a well-known hotel there yeah. and uh i said we kind of come up with the name what's it going to be and I, and then i said i know how about if we call it misfit because you know the apple commercial here's to the crazy ones yeah the misfits the rebels would not be cool to uh almost as a tribute to that spirit of innovation that you know uh apple's so good at and we're all big Apple fanboys, so, you know. And then um, we, and also, you know, because we're making, we were thinking of doing wearable technology, so it would be Misfit, you know, get it? And it might be fitness technology, so Misfit again. So a double irony. Uh, so we just thought we'd have fun with it. And the name just kind of stuck, and people, I don't know, people seem to like it. It's kind of a controversial yeah. name, because, you know, do you really want to be a Misfit? And as we, we reflected on it, we realized... I think a lot of people at some point in their lives feel that they don't fit in. Uh, probably everybody does. And so for us, you know, come as you are, we, I think we can all fit in. Yeah, and when it, when it comes to the brand, the brand that is Misfit, it originally started off with the, the shine, um, and it really kind of uh, stood out relative to some of the competitors that were in those days, like the Nike Fuel Band, because of the battery life, the simplicity, and all this. So there was, one, there was definitely product differentiation when it first came out. But there's this brand that, that it brought with it, which was simplicity. It was this clean and 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 it's and it's continued and it's continued in a way um, that is actually unexpected. Like when I saw that you guys launched the Pebble integration, you know that's very counter a typical sort of hardware company saying actually you know what matters is 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 the information and services we're providing you, not this little thing that we're selling you. And so in a way, what is the goal of of Misfit long term? Is it a brand for uh, changing people's lives through the data that they have? Is it selling tools that are help them get there? What? How did you guys envisage that brand from the origins of it? And how much of it is kind of just improvised as you go along? And, and what is the ultimate aim for it? So we've always dreamed of making beautiful products that improve people's lives um, one way or another, whether it's by making them healthier, making things more convenient, making things more accessible, making things more safe, potentially. Um, so we've always dreamed of doing something like that, and that's kind of what Misfit stands for. Beautiful, you know, beautiful design uh, and elegantly executed functionality. Um, and so that's what we've, what we started, and we started in the health and fitness area, and I think we'll do more of it. We'll probably do more health and medical device kind of things. No medical devices right now, but I think we'll do more of that. Yeah. Uh, but I think we'll also do more things in the home. So um, I think the home is a place where there's a lot of things that could use a bit of simplification and maybe beautification. And we'd love to contribute there. We started with some, one of the most simplest things there is, and that is your light, you know, making yeah. that a really simple and easy experience. Yeah. Okay. So it's so really a portfolio about products that change your life. And 
and it started off with a physical good as opposed to right. you know a software product. But how did how did you um, leverage sort of the experience that John brought to the table uh, to build sort of a product driven company because of all that history with Apple? Yeah, honestly, he's um, he's just been, he's been an amazing mentor for Sridhar and I. Um, uh, just a wise business person, you know. Uh, I, I think throughout life, Sridhar and I had met and kind of I don't know if you if it's the right way to say it, but to out, we kind of outgrew a lot of mentors, you yeah. know, or maybe we we're always, we're always seeking people who um, could teach us a, a lot. And I feel like with John, who's literally done business for longer than just about anyone we know, like fifty years of I mean, who has fifty <laughs> years of consumer marketing experience? Right. Like, you know, usually people say, oh, I got 20 years of experience. You know, this guy's been doing it for half a century, right? Wow. Um, and he's willing to spend his time with us to teach us stuff. Part of it is because I think Sridhar and I are very teachable. And um, and so he, you know, so that there's a good match there. Yeah. Um, you know, we're always, and I think over, over the years as we've kind of grown up or whatever, um, we've sought people who are wise great you know you know one of the things i was talking about uh with a group earlier was you know what, what is it that we look for in people in our first company we learned that it's about finding people with great skill not just high iq um because it has to be relevant and also sometimes iq can bring with it issues egos mm -hmm. attitudes entitlement whatever and we just need some people who are really skillful at what they do uh, humble humbly skillful right and second is we found that people we we don't need we shouldn't just be looking for experience but you know sometimes you can get not 20 years of experience but one year of experience 20 times which is worse <laughs> right <laughs> meaning like people would never learned you know yeah. they, they just kept doing the wrong thing 20 times right yeah uh and hid under uh the veil of the corporation yeah um and the incompetence was hidden for years decades yeah you know that happens all the times uh talk about corporate waste right uh the uh and what we learned from that was it's not experience that we're looking for, that we seek, but it's w great judgment and yeah. wisdom. And I, I have no idea how to interview for that. If I did, I would like, ha you know, have an even more amazing team. But I think you can, you will, you do find, you run into people like that. And we love, I mean, I love working with people like that. And John's kind of like one of those people, you know? Yeah. And so he's been a great mentor to us. That's great. It's very fortunate. Well, we always like to wrap up. I know your time is very precious and I, and I want to make sure we get out on time, but we always wrap up with a chance for you to shamelessly plug anything you want. Uh, and so with that, what would you like to plug? Honestly, Misfit is still like this completely unknown brand. Here in Silicon Valley, New York, people uh, have, or places like New York and Silicon Valley, people have heard of Misfit. But outside of that, very few people have. So uh, folks who are interested in learning more, Misfit.com or at Misfit, our Instagram, or our um, Twitter handle. Uh, love to have you guys follow us perhaps for their next marathon or for their next uh home 10K. decoration uh upgrade yeah exactly excellent all right thanks for that uh sunny and uh till next time guys bye